Um, I'm going to read a section, just a few verses, from a book of the Bible called the Book of Acts. Uh, it's part of a sermon that was preached by a preacher named Peter back on a day named Pentecost. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the law, hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Join me in a brief word of prayer. Oh Jesus, we confess that you, our Redeemer, are alive. You were delivered to die by a kiss and by injustice and by a frenzied crowd. And yet all of this was the plan of God that sinners might be saved. And so you were delivered from death so that we might have life forever. Oh Jesus, now would you speak through me, help us to with eyes of faith to see you risen and reigning and the true hope that we have. We pray this in your mighty name, amen. Years ago, my uncle had one of those days where he expended enough energy for an entire week. He came, came home bone weary and decided it was time to go to bed. So even before his wife was home, his usual bedtime routine, he laid down and before you know it, he was sleeping the sleep of the dead, snoring and snoozing away, happy as a clam. A few hours later, his wife came home and discovered her husband asleep. And being the loving wife that she was, she didn't want to wake him up. So she tried to go through her bedtime routine in the dark. Now that sounds easier than it actually is. And she was moving about, stumbling and bumbling and hopping back and forth until she found herself at the foot of the bed and lost her balance and realized she was about to go down hard. So in her desperation, she reached out for anything in arm's length, which just so happened to be my poor uncle's ankle. Now, the physics of how it worked out, her momentum going one way and their 1,000 thread count sheets being smooth and soft meant there was no contest. She went down and he went down with her. They landed on a heap in the dark, screaming, blood-curdling screams together. And Once my uncle finally got over the shock of it, he looked at her and he said, I thought the devil himself was pulling me down to the grave. <laughs> now, thankfully, he has a good sense of humor about it, so we can learn from his example. Uh, you know, a lot has changed in the history of humanity. Uh, generation after generation, so much has changed. There's so much technological advance, even in our lifetimes. Uh, we see electric cars driving on the road. Uh, they now have reusable rockets to launch satellites up into space. Uh, there are even AI-powered chatbots that say, I'm a good little Bing. Now, as much as that's different, 
all the differences in your life to the many generations that have come before you, there is one common difficulty that we still face, the fear of death. Uh, Sooner or later, we all go down to the grave. Uh, We live for a time. We enjoy life on this earth. And then our time is up. And once the grave gets a hold of us, it doesn't let go of us. People live and they die and then they don't come back. Uh, That's been the cycle stretching on all the way back since the very first humans. Until one Sunday, we call Easter. Until a moment that history had never seen before. When the grave's grip slipped on the man named Jesus Christ. He'd been delivered to die on a Friday, but on Sunday, he was delivered from death. And properly understood, it guarantees that we can have life forever with God. Uh, That's what we'll find out this morning. Uh, Looking at that sermon that was preached by that preacher named Peter on Pentecost, I'm going to summarize three points of his message for you in three words. The first of them is released. Jesus was delivered to die because he had to be released. Uh, The Bible teaches clearly that there's a reason why people live and die and then don't come back. Uh, It is because the grave, in one sense, is where each of us belong. Uh, According to the Bible, we're all creatures of a holy and just and good God who made us. And yet, since the very first humans, we have not served and worshipped that God as we should. Instead, we've gone after our own way, lived for ourselves, and made ourselves sinners. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. And that means the place where we deserve to be is in the grip of the grave. Uh, But there was one exception. Uh, That man named Jesus. Uh, Jesus died, and he really did live before that. But Jesus is different than all the rest of us because Jesus had a perfectly spotless soul. He'd never committed any sort of sin. Everything he had done had been out of obedience and love, which meant when Jesus entered the grave, unlike the rest of us, he entered a place he didn't deserve to be. Peter tells us in verse 24 that God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Uh, Jesus is so different than the rest of us, so different that he could not remain in the grip of the grave. Um, I am the younger sibling. Uh, There were two of us, me and my brother, who's older than me by two years, which means growing up, he was always the larger and stronger and wiser of the two of us. And uh, kids, if you have an older sibling, you know this, they get to do things before you do if you're younger than them. Um, In particular, he was big enough and supposedly mature enough uh, to be able to walk my aunt's dog, Spritz. Uh, Spritz was a husky, an abnormally large and energetic husky. Uh, He was so big that he could comfortably put his front paws on a six-foot man's shoulders standing up. Um, Now, thankfully, he was a gentle giant, which meant you could control him on a leash if you were big enough. 
And my brother was judged big enough, so he would take spritz out on walks while I would watch enviously from my aunt's window. Uh, but then one particular day, my brother took spritz out on the leash in the back around the lake area, and something strange happened. Spritz's tail went rigid. His ears perked up and his eyes focused in on the other side of the lake where a family of ducks was sunning itself, completely unsuspecting what was coming. Now, at first, my brother did what he was supposed to do. He held his ground and he held an iron grip on that leash. But pretty soon, Spritz started gaining ground on him. And then pretty soon, he lost his footing altogether and was being dragged behind the giant husky over the grass until finally he couldn't hold on anymore and his grip slipped. And off went that big burly dog after his prey. Now, according to Peter, the grave had no more power to hold on to Jesus than my 12-year-old brother did to that giant husky. Uh, he uses two images, a mixed metaphor to describe it. Uh, it's like the pangs of childbirth. A pregnant woman who knows the baby's time to come has arrived, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. It's like ropes that used to be holding back a heavy load that someone has come along and untied. Those ropes are suddenly powerless to hold back that heavy weight. In the same way, the grave had no ability to grip onto Jesus because his soul was spotless. He didn't belong in the grave. He was there not because of anything he had done wrong, but to absorb the punishment that others had done wrong. So when Easter Sunday came, the grave was powerless. It could no longer hold on to the man named Jesus, and he was delivered from death. So that's the first word you need to hear from Peter. The second word you need to hear is raised. In verse 24 again, he said, God raised him up. Now, it's very important to understand what Peter is not saying here. Uh, Christians believe in what we call the doctrine of the resurrection. That is the dead that are brought alive by the power of God. Now, Peter preached on that day that the man named Jesus died truly in his body, and that same man came back to life. Uh, he did not say that this was just some religious story we tell that's supposed to inspire us and somehow cause a resurrection on the inside in our emotions. He, he did not say that this was really Jesus surprisingly surviving his crucifixion, fooling everyone appearing alive and well a few days later. He certainly didn't say that Jesus was reincarnated, as some Eastern religions teach, that one guy died and a different guy was brought to life and a different life and a different body. No, what Peter taught was that the same Jesus that went into the tomb is the very Jesus that came out, resurrected and glorified. Now, this has been the teaching of, the, uh, of Christians for 2,000 years now, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the very foundation of the message we preach, the good news of the gospel. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and you hear that, and you say, well, that's quite a claim. 
I don't know that I could believe something quite that fantastical. Well, people in Peter's day needed to be convinced as well, uh, which is why in verse 32, you can see that Peter gave some evidence to back up what he was saying. Verse 32, this Jesus, God raised up, and of that, we are all witnesses. There were people that saw the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, There were individuals he knew well that he appeared to. There were even whole groups of people behind locked doors that he showed himself to. There was even hundreds of people at a time that all saw him simultaneously. In all of this, Jesus made sure that they didn't mistake him for having some corporate hallucination or think that they'd seen a ghost. He let them see him eat. He let them see the scars on his body from his crucifixion. He even let them touch him. Also, they would know by their own experience and be able to witness that Jesus was delivered from death, raised from the grave by the very power of God. Now, that was the testimony of those first disciples, and it remains the testimony of the church today. And I realize that there are still many people who have many questions about whether the the resurrection is something you can actually believe, which is why we as a church, if you have any of those sorts of questions, would love to invite you to an event we're having on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock here at our church. It's called Fact or Fiction. uh, You'll hear a talk from a high-quality scholar who will talk about how Christians have understood the resurrection down through the years as well as being able to hear many of the questions that are commonly asked, answered, and even to ask your own questions. In all of this, the hope is that that you would be able to hear, as the people on Pentecost heard, uh, this message that Jesus was risen from the dead, and that you would have good reason to believe it is based on actual eyewitness testimony. According to the Bible, this is no matter of just mere religious preference. It's not just a quirk of history. It is the difference between us having hope beyond our deaths and us having utter confidence that we can live forever with God or us having no hope whatsoever. Uh, friend, I invite you to come and have your uh, questions answered and have the opportunity to find out whether Jesus rose from the dead whether that's something that you can believe. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you are, of course, invited to come to this event as well. I think it would be very encouraging for you and certainly would help you to be better equipped to be able to share the good news of Jesus risen from the dead with others. Uh, Come at 7 o'clock. Certainly invite your non-Christian neighbor or friend, anyone who might benefit from hearing the reasons they can believe that this is true, what the Bible teaches, that Jesus was dead By the power of God, he was alive again. Uh, Two words you needed to know. Um, First, released. Second, raised. But third, and most importantly, a response. The preaching that Peter did on that day on Pentecost brought the people there to a moment where they had to decide for themselves. You can't stay on the fence about whether Jesus really rose from the dead or not. You can't stay on the fence about whether he really did 
atoned for sins. And about whether he really did give us the opportunity to have eternal life with God. Sooner or later, you have to decide. The Bible teaches that each of us will be held to account for how we respond to the message preached to us. Now, you know the difference between a message you can ignore and a message you have to respond to from your own life. I was reading an article this week about the deplorable states of our email accounts. Uh, it turns out that most of us have not just one or a dozen or a few hundred, but tens of thousands of unopened emails sitting somewhere off in our hidden away accounts. Now, there's a reason for that. Most of those unopened messages are things we know are a waste of time for us to respond to. They're old invoices for things you forgot you bought. And ads for you, giving you the opportunity to buy something that have long since expired. Uh, they're invitations from the odd Nigerian prince to make you rich, if you'll just help him in his plan. All sorts of messages that you don't lose any sleep about not even reading and certainly not responding to. But, but you also know that there are some things you have to respond to, don't you? You, you open your mailbox and there's a jury summons. And it's got red letters on it. It says, response required. If you do read the fine print, there are consequences if you don't respond. Or imagine a young man with a glint in his eye and a ring in his pocket that gets down on one knee. In front of a lucky girl says, would you marry me? Now, a response is required in that moment. Or things are going to get awkward really quickly. Right? There are some situations that require a response. Uh, when you hear about Jesus raised from the dead, it is not just historical facts or religious ideas. Now, it's connected to news, news that requires a response from each of us. Uh, a, you can summarize what the, the news the Bible gives us as the, what's called the good news of the gospel. There's two main parts to it. There's the bad news. Uh, news that's much worse than any of us ever imagined. Each and every one of us are not okay. Uh, turns out that we are creatures made by a holy God. A God who we have greatly offended by ignoring him and our attitude and our actions. A God who is a just God. Who one day will repay all of us for the lives we've lived. According to the Bible, that means that each and every one of us are headed for eternal destruction. Uh, the very wrath of God upon us that goes on and on without end. Uh, that news gets even worse when you realize that the Bible teaches that there's no way we could ever work off the, the debt of our sins before this God. No amount of doing good deeds could outweigh our bad. No amount of religious rituals could ever get God off of our case. One day, left to ourselves, we would find ourselves completely without excuse and objects of the very wrath of God. That's the bad news. As bad as that news is, though, the, the good news far outweighs it. It's news so good that no one could have possibly hoped for anything this good. It is that same God who is holy and just is also loving and merciful. 
uh, although his justice would demand that he pour out his wrath on sinners. He had a plan from eternity past uh, to pay the penalty that those sinners deserved himself. God sent his son Jesus to come and live as one of us, to live the perfect life we should have lived, and to die the death we deserved to die. Uh, That's what happened when Jesus was crucified and hung there and died on the cross. In that moment, God put the sins of everyone that had ever come to him on Jesus and punished Jesus in our place. Jesus hung there and suffered and died so that our debt would be paid in full in his blood. And after Jesus died, three days later, he came back to life to prove that he had fully and finally paid the penalty we deserved. And so even better, to give us what we've always needed, the thing our souls have craved, even if we haven't known it, a life forever with God, a life full of joy and delight, and a life that will only get better and better. Now that's the good news of the gospel. That no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've come from or what you've been doing, you can be forgiven of each and every one of your sins. And you can have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead unleashed in your heart. The start of a forever life with God. On Easter, we have the confirmation that that message was true. And that we can, in fact, be forgiven. And we can, in fact, live this life right now And we can be secure that that life will go on forever. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never come to Jesus, if you've never uh, put your trust in him, there's two things that's required of you once you've heard that message. You can summarize it in two words, repentance and faith. Repentance is just a word that means turning away from all the sins and all the things you used to trust in to declare spiritual bankruptcy before God. And to turn away from all those things in your old life and turn to God through Jesus. Uh, The second thing is faith. It is to trust that Jesus really did do these things. And he really can save you from your sins. And if you turn from your sins and you come to God through faith, you'll not be disappointed. Uh, Jesus will raise your soul to life right here and now. And one day after you die, Jesus will raise you back to a resurrected life like his. Now, if you've never done that, this Easter can be the day you receive the greatest of all gifts, that eternal life with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, After the service, uh, there'll be people with name tags on. I'll I'll be up front. Uh, There'll be people in the room behind the sanctuary and out in the lobby. If you have questions about how you can do that, or, or maybe you feel God tugging in your heart and you know that you need to respond to this message. There'll be someone that will be glad to lead you through how you can do that this morning. But friend, don't take for granted this opportunity you've been given. None of us knows how many days we've been given. Uh, Sooner or later, we all find our way down to the grave. And none of us is guaranteed another opportunity to hear the message of Christ crucified and resurrected and the opportunity to be forgiven and united to God through him. Respond while you can. Now, if you're here this morning and 
Maybe you have repented of your sins and have responded in faith, but maybe it's been a long time since you've been living by that resurrection power in your heart. Uh, This Easter Sunday, would you, like the people on that day of Pentecost, would would you allow yourself to be cut to the heart? And would you truly repent and come back to God through Jesus Christ so that you can live the joyful life you were meant to live? Uh, Friend, there's grace for all manner of sins, even those after we have first repented. I'm glad you're here. Jesus is glad you're here. Would you get back on the path to follow him and the path that leads to eternal life? Our church would love to walk alongside you if that's where you find yourself this morning. Um, We're not a a perfect church. None of us here are perfect. Uh, We're just sinners saved by grace stumbling our way forward together by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's room for each and every one of you here this morning if you need to walk alongside us. And if not our church, find another church that preaches the same thing, that Jesus really died for sinners and he really was raised from the dead. And that means we really must live a new life for him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now for all of us who are here this morning, And have repented and put our faith in Christ. And though not perfectly, we do know that we are forgiven and are living that new life with him. And will inherit eternal life one day when he returns. Would you remember what Easter Sunday means for you? No matter how hard it gets. No matter how painful your life may be. No matter how long a season of trial may go on. No matter how discouraged you might feel. Jesus was delivered from death to guarantee you that you will live with God forever. Nothing that happens in this life will ever change that for you. Would you be encouraged by that? That Jesus rose from the grave and so your soul is secure. Or maybe it's not insecurity in your soul you're dealing with, but instead it's grief. Uh, Maybe your heart is filled with sorrow because of someone that's preceded you in death. Another Christian that you loved greatly, whose death has left a void that's been filled with pain. Would you remember the great hope that we have? That since Christ was delivered from death, that each and every one of us that's in Christ will be delivered from death as well. Uh, Christians never really say goodbye to each other. Uh, we say instead, see you later. Because one day we will be reunited when we are all resurrected by Jesus. We will spend forever in new bodies, living a new life in a new world, free of sin and full of the very glory of God. So while you might miss a dear brother or sister or loved one very dearly, uh, you don't grieve as one without hope because Jesus was delivered from death. But most of all, Easter Sunday, for those of us that believe, is a reminder of the greatest thing of all, that we will spend eternity in a resurrected life with Jesus himself. He is our greatest joy. He is our greatest delight. Uh, The one who is delivered from death will be our treasure. When he returns, we will see him as he is. And we will be like him. And the life that we'll live forever with God will be the fullest life of all.
because it'll be life with Jesus. Encourage yourself with these words. No matter how hard life may be, or even how short it might end up being, you can have confidence of this. Because Jesus was delivered from death, you can live forever with God. I had the privilege of walking along side of a brother who found great confidence in the approach of his death as he took hold of this truth of the resurrection in his heart. Uh, at his funeral, there were two very different stories that were told. A set of people that knew him during what he, what was self-admittedly a very sinful time of his life. He made lots of mistakes, done many things that didn't live up to the glory of God. Uh, along the way, he had built up quite a bit of fear when it came to death. He was terrified about it, to be honest. But then something happened. A doctor told him that he wouldn't live much longer. And he was forced to reckon with the reality that on a day very soon in his future, he would find his way down to the grave. But thankfully, he had Christian friends and family members that pointed him to the resurrected one, Jesus. He started to take steps of repentance and faith. One of those was calling me to come make visits, to encourage him and pray with him, and study the Bible alongside him. Uh, which meant as his physical life got weaker and weaker, his confidence in his forever life grew and grew. Until in the last days of his life, my last conversation with him, he told me, I don't want to die, but I know where I'm going when I do, and I'm not afraid. Brothers and sisters, we can have that same confidence. The fear and dread of death cannot stick to us because of what happened on Easter Sunday, the day the grave's grip slipped and Jesus was delivered from death so that we could have life with God forever. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song all about the resurrection of Jesus, one of the main themes of it. I want you to meditate on these words. So as we sing them, they can be confirmed in your heart. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected, as will we be when he comes. Amen. He was delivered from death so we could have life forever with God. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord Jesus, we confess that you have been raised that you have conquered over the devil and death and made it so that our souls need not fear what the grave will hold for us. Uh, Jesus, we confess to you that so often we have been distracted. We have found the things of this world alluring and distracting, so much so that we have even lost hope, hold of this great hope for fleeting moments. Uh, Jesus, we know you don't want us to live in fear. We know that you intend for us to be a people that can face death with utter certainty, knowing that as you were delivered from death, that we will be as well, that you died so we could live forever with God. So Jesus, 
Would you now fill us with your Holy Spirit and that resurrection hope that you intend for us to live with? Would you allow us to worship you with freedom and delight and joy? Knowing that as our days go by, we are one day closer to seeing you face to face. And one day closer to inheriting an incorruptible life. Eternal life with you. So Jesus, now help us to sing as those who have this confidence of the resurrection in our hearts. We worship you, the one who was delivered to die and delivered from death so that we might live. We pray in your name. Amen.